0: This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, Value Investors. So did any of you get a chance to watch the Berkshire Annual Meeting on May 6th, 2023? It uh, just happened. And so, as promised, I said I would do a podcast on what was talked about, And as we always do, right, how can we not talk about what happens at the Berkshire Annual Meeting? So Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger took questions for over five hours. And I have to admit, a couple of times I was kind of tuning out. I was doing some other things. I was like surfing on the Internet. I was not paying that much attention. I watched a college softball game while it was all going on. And then they kept going and going and going. But they really didn't make that much news this time. And I was kind of trying to figure out why that was and why maybe I was so bored as well. You know, the questions are kind of curated ahead of time. So nothing is really spontaneous. Becky read off some questions from people, Becky Quick of CNBC. uh, She read off some questions from people who like wrote in or emailed in. Then there were shareholders in the actual venue. Who were picked and were reading off their questions. But I we even had to wait until like the second half of the session. So they go a couple hours and they did take a lunch break. Then they went a couple more hours. And we didn't even find out anything about like their oil investments, which is one of my more interesting areas, you know, that I have interest in. Nobody even asked a question about, you know. Occidental or Chevron. In fact, I don't think they even asked about Chevron at all throughout the thing that was mainly about Occidental and what they were doing with Occidental. um, Investment and Buffett did make some news saying that they were not going to buy them out. They were not going to acquire the entire company of Occidental. That's the ticker Oxy by the way. Uh, He also made some news by declaring that Apple was the best business that they owned. I think they own a 5.6% stake in it now. And um, you know, people had questions afterwards. At least I did. If if it's the best business you own, why didn't you buy more, or why aren't you buying more? But Berkshire currently has 130 billion in cash sitting on in hand, and he did talk about how their investing income would rise this year expected to rise to about $5 billion from 50 million simply because of the rising yields. So they are able to invest the cash into the rising you know the treasuries and they're able to uh, make more money for shareholders through that. But this only compounds his problem of having too much cash which I've complained about many times on the podcast over the years. Now it is less than it used to be because they did. By the big stake in Chevron and Occidental over the last, you know, 18 months to two years now. And so that's uh diluted a bit of it, but they also getting big dividend payouts from those. And they don't pay a dividend themselves. Buffett did describe the one time Berkshire paid a dividend. I think he said it was 1967. They paid 10 cents a share and he called it the biggest mistake. they've made. So those of you thinking oh maybe we might get a dividend you're not going to get a dividend they are doing share buyback though with some of the money but really they just have tremendous amount of cash sitting there. So Berkshire Hathaway itself is trading at about 17 times forward earnings I own it in the insider trader right now not the value investor but the insider trader because some insiders had been buying in there earlier this year. Um, So we bought it, it is kind of a safety play right now. That's why it's a little bit expensive. It's not really a value stock here. So for those value investors that are out there. Who want a value stock but you don't necessarily want to buy Berkshire because it's not really cheap here. What if you created your own Berkshire Hathaway? I was thinking about this as I was listening to him speak. And uh, in the break period, They had several of the CEOs, of course, come on CNBC and talk about their individual businesses within Berkshire. Now, you always have to remember that those are also carefully, uh, you know. Picked by the company of who gets to speak and who doesn't. It is a limited amount of time. They do own a lot of companies, so it's not like everyone could speak, even if they wanted to, um, in that like hour in between for the lunch break. But they did have the Benjamin Moore CEO and the CCEO, and then they had a new company um, that also just talked about the fun of being bought out by Berkshire Hathaway and going to these annual meetings and all that stuff. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that it was C's and Benjamin Moore the paint company that were the two kind of designated um, you know, speakers. Buffett also did say something kind of just overall about the business uh, as a group. And he did say that many of the business segments had too much inventory on hand heading into this year. And they like a lot of other companies are trying to get rid of that excess inventory. So they're in the process of doing that. We don't know to what extent that means. But we've heard the same refrain from retailers from um, you know, just a whole host of like some manufacturing companies. Uh, so they a lot of people got kind of caught as the economy continued to slow and the consumer pulled back on certain items. So, what if you did want to create your own Berkshire Hathaway? and I'm not talking about the equity portfolio because you can already do that. You can go in there, you can go into the financial filings. You can see what stocks Berkshire Hathaway owns. You can buy the stocks that he owns. But the equity portfolio is a small part of the overall business. Someone actually asked at the meeting um, about the size of Apple in the overall portfolio and that it was this huge chunk of the business. And Buffett had to correct him. It's a big chunk of the equity portfolio. It's something like 35 or 40% of the equity portfolio. That's the stocks that he owns. So it is heavily weighted in that portfolio. But as a uh, percentage of the overall business it's not the biggest uh you know position it's among the top 4 but it's not an overwhelming size you know they he mentioned that they own a railroad that railroad is huge in BNSF so uh you got to separate the two there is the equity portfolio but everybody just kind of thinks as berkshire oh it's it's those stocks it's apple chevron occidental but they own a ton of other companies as many of you know. Um, so what if you tried to recreate that aspect of the company without actually buying Berkshire. And um, you wanted to create your own like mini Berkshire Hathaway. So I picked out five different areas industries that I know Berkshire has businesses in. I had to look up, you know, what, what it is that they have. And I d- uh, matched it up as best as I could. With a publicly traded company that you too could own to get similar exposure to these businesses as Berkshire. Now there there's many more than just five areas I could have gone down and maybe I'll mention a couple more at the end that you could look at if you're thinking of kind of trying to develop your own conglomerate (laughs) in your own portfolio. Um, But let's start with these five because I think these are kind of the interesting ones. Okay, so the first one I've already mentioned, as Buffett mentioned, they own a railroad. They own uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, BNSF. And um, those in the Chicago area know BNSF quite well because they actually operate one of the uh, suburban metro lines here, or at least the metro operates on BNSF's railroad lines. But when you're out there waiting for the train, you can actually see on the uh, sides of the cars it actually says BNSF on the sides of the cars here in Chicago Um, it is one of his largest and his favorite businesses he loves businesses with moats railroads have a wide moat nobody's really building a new railroad there's a few like passenger rails that are going up like the one down in Florida but it's mostly on the freight side it's a done deal and you're kind of stuck with these legacy railroads he bought one of them but one you could buy that I've always liked is Union Pacific ticker UNP it is trading at 17.8 times so it's not super cheap it's not super expensive year to date down 3.3% on Union Pacific estimates are being cut though. Um, over the last week and over the last 30 days. So they're expected to make 1134. But that's up only a penny over last year when they made 1133. So not really seeing a big dip in their earnings year over year. But not any big gains. 2024 is looking a little bit better right now up 7.1% to 1214. But it's a little early to be looking at 2024. Uh, this is a Zax number three hold. And it does pay dividend yielding 2.6%. So that's something you'll get if you create your own like mini Berkshire that you don't get in Berkshire is dividends. Because a lot of these types of companies do pay dividends. Um, So that's Union Pacific UNP and why is the reason I like it? Uh, They are out on the west coast, but they also own the hubs along the Mexico border. So anything coming up out of Mexico goes through those hubs. And I love that uh, exposure. So that's why Union Pacific's always been one of my favorites. Okay, let's switch over to one of Buffett's other favorite types of businesses and it's on the consumer side. He owns a lot of different consumer businesses. And this is in the furniture. Remember, he bought a Nebraska furniture market, but they also own Jordans in uh, New England in the Northeast, Star in Texas, and RC Wiley in Utah. And I didn't realize that combining all of these, it's about a $2 billion business in furniture. So there are a lot of kind of smaller furniture companies because it is a very bifurcated market. And some some became dominant in certain parts of the country, as you can see with Buffett's own investments, right? They're like in certain parts of the country, these names, you know, started a hundred years ago or something and then grew in their own homegrown markets and now owned by Berkshire Hathaway. But one that I've always kind of uh seen as like a in the same vein as that is Haverty Furniture, ticker H as in Harry, V as in Victor, T as in Tom, HVT. They have 100 showrooms now in 16 southern and midwestern states. They were founded in 1885. This is the type of business Buffett would like if he was buying more on the furniture side. It's a small cap, $413 million market cap it has only one estimate so it's lightly covered on the street but because as that one estimate we do have a Zacks rank it is actually number 4 sell right here and that's because uh those estimates are uh, on the way down earnings expected to be down 23% this year as the furniture sales really slow off those pandemic highs so expected to make 390 this year versus 507 last year they um, saw sales in the first quarter down 5.9% and their comps were down 6.7. None of this is surprising. Um, They're still delivering but kind of winding down on the deliveries now of the pandemic booming times, which included last year. The housing market has slowed on the sales side and that means there's fewer people who are need new furniture. You will buy new furniture when you buy a new house. So l- less home sales, less furniture sales overall. Um, but they have no outstanding debt. They have 127 million in cash. They do pay a dividend. They're shareholder friendly. Dividend is now yielding 4.3 percent because year to date these shares are down 15 percent. So a lot of the furniture stocks have sunk here. It might be uh, an interesting play as these get cheaper because they do have good balance sheets. Many of these kind of smaller furniture. Companies do have the good balance sheets, but I like Haverty for its dominance in its markets and this pristine balance sheet. It's ticker HVT. Then switching over to still staying on the consumer, but the candy side. So, C's Candy CEO was featured on CNBC, and uh, they talked about having volumes back to like pre pandemic levels now. Uh, They're still seeing strong sales online, which happened during the pandemic, more than in the stores. And that has kind of remained. They haven't lost that after the reopening. So those buyers behaviors have kind of stayed the same. Uh, But what do you buy if you want to seize candy? Uh, There's not a lot that's like a total peer that's publicly traded, but you can buy Hershey's. They're much bigger, 56 billion market cap. Ticker HSY, H as in Harry, S is in Sam, Y as in younger, Y as in younger. And Hershey's classic chocolate play, candy play. And uh, who doesn't like that? Everybody does. People have been piling into these shares. They're up 18.5% year to date, they're at five year highs. Earnings are on the increase up 11% expected here in 2023 to 946 from 850 last year. So I'm liking all of that, but you're going to pay the price. PE is now 29 times because everybody's like, oh, this is recessionary proof. We're still going to need chocolate. It's still affordable. Everybody's going to keep buying all of this this candy. Um, so it's a little pricey for me here. I'd be cautious on it here of like chasing this. But as I said, it has a great five year chart. So they've been doing something right the last couple of years. It does pay a dividend It's yielding 1.5%. And then staying on the consumer side, I had it in the back of my mind, doesn't Buffett own like some kind of jewelry store or something? And sure enough, yes, Hellsberg Diamonds. We've seen these ads on TV, at least I have. It was acquired by Berkshire Hathaway all the way back in 1996. So what can we get that's similar to Hellsberg Diamonds? Well, of course, Signet Jewelers, one of their competitors, ticker SIG. They are cheap. They have a PE right now of six point two and um earnings though expected to be down five point three percent this fiscal year, but just at eleven dollars and eighteen cents versus eleven eighty last year. Uh, that's not too bad given everybody's saying doom and gloom, and maybe it'll get worse as the year goes on. If a recession does come, you tend to cut back on things like jewelry. But right now, consumer holding up pretty good and the wedding market remains strong. Coming out of the pandemic, a lot of weddings and engagements even postponed. But now those are happening, people are buying. So, this is one maybe to keep on your watch list. What's happening with the shares? They're up 2.7% year to date. Over five years, though, up 83% versus the SP 500 up just 51%. Does pay a dividend, yielding 1.3%. So that nice little added bonus. And like I said, it is cheap at just six times. So jewelry is looking pretty cheap. And then for my fifth choice, I did go with the home uh, or real estate brokerage. And maybe many people don't even know that Berkshire Hathaway owns this, but it's called Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. It is their real estate brokerage. Uh, they have agents. You can sell your house through Berkshire Hathaway, basically. But um, taking a look at some of its competitors that are publicly traded, the scene is not too good. So I'm not surprised that we did not see Berkshire (laughs) Hathaway CEOs on the halftime show on CNBC. That's not who I would wheel out either. Um, I looked at compass ticker COMP and their earnings are bouncing back from 2022. So they uh, lost $1.40 in 2022 as the housing market really sank on those higher mortgage rates remember so these companies make money when you sell or buy a house. And so they were getting hammered last year, not as bad this year as things have stabilized and expected to lose just 53 cents this year. That is up 62%. And then a better picture again in 2024, but still a loss of 26 cents. So I'm not really liking all the losses there. It is a Zach's number four sell. I also took a look at Redfin, that's one of the bigger names redfin used to have the eye buying business remember last year they got out of it but they took a big loss so last year they lost three dollars and eleven eleven dollar three dollars and eleven cents last year um this year expected to only lose a dollar fifty two they did get rid of the eye buying business like i said and they've taken those losses and those lumps but they're out of that so they're much more traditional Brokerage with like a data kind of business, too. A lot of their data is, uh, you know, people depend on their data for um, a lot that's going on in the housing market. So, but much more traditional um, home, you know, brokerage type of business. but you're still not getting just like with compass you're still not seeing any pe because you're still getting the loss also expect a loss for 2024 of 92 cents what do these shares look like it's been a pretty brutal two years so compass shares two years down 85% redfin down 83 but maybe that's a buying opportunity right so year to date people have been buying redfin it's up 132% year to date um over the last year so that's going back to last May so over the last year those shares are still down 16% but those bottom feeders have d- jumped in this year and year to date they're up 132% cuz they saw it was oversold there Compass not quite as dramatic it's uh 2 years as i mentioned down 85% 1 year it's still down but year-to-date up, but only 11%. So people a little more bullish on Redfin or willing to trade it more than they are on Compass, which is less known out there. If you haven't bought and sold a house where Compass is in your market, then you might not be as familiar with them. So not willing to, are not willing to take any chances there. But a lot more traders aware of Redfin or Zillow and willing to trade those stocks a lot more than some of these other like more pure play brokerage type stocks so some lessons from berkshire hathaway and what what we take away from this is that really berkshire hathaway the stock operates like an index fund almost you know with a bunch of cash on the side And it has its manager. It's kind of like an actively managed index fund or ETF, so to speak, with a whole bunch of businesses in there, plus the equity side and then the cash. But, um, you know you might not want to just buy the whole kit and caboodle. I know I don't own it in my own personal portfolio any longer because I didn't like what was being done with some of the investments um, and the big cash sitting on hand. But this way, if you want to go out and buy similar companies, you can create your own types of portfolios And pick and choose what kind of businesses you want in there. So if you don't like energy, you don't have to buy it in your own. You can just leave that portion out. If you like the railroad, you can buy that. Um, you, You know, it's just a lot easier to create your own in some ways. You also will get the dividend with a lot of these companies which are halfway. And I know people really do kind of like that dividend or at least that little dividend boost in their returns every year, and or they want the income, they're going to live off the income. So Berkshire Hathaway doesn't work for them. But remember, you still want to keep your value principles intact too. You don't want to just rush out and buy companies that are similar to what Berkshire Hathaway owns just because that's similar to what they own. So there were a lot of questions about Apple really a Buffett monger. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast he did say that he considered Apple to be the best business that they own. But then the bigger question follow up to that is why aren't they buying more they own I think it's a 5.6% position he has 130 billion in cash sitting there he could buy money more shares. He's actually sold some in the last couple of years. I think just basically to like uh, not have it be 50% of the equity portfolio at one point. Um, So, but why not buy more now when it's not close to 50%? But some of the key to that, the reasoning behind that may be in the valuation. It's trading at 28 times on a PE level, its peg is 2.3. That's not cheap. Anything under one is cheap. Price to book is 44. That's nowhere close to any kind of value. Price to cash flow is 25. That's not a value. Price to sales, that's an important tech, uh, you know, fundamental, and it's 7.1. That's nowhere close to value. So, really, Apple is quite overvalued. And Buffett, you know, does still have the discipline and the patience. And if, it's overvalued. Yeah, he's going to continue to hold on to it. He loves the business, but he bought in cheaper. So uh, they got in cheap, they got big gains, but there's no real reason for value investors now to be adding to Apple at this level. He has the cash. If it gets cheaper, he can always add later. But now he will be disciplined. He will have patience. So for those of you who um, you know are thinking of setting up your own portfolio. keep that in mind that even Buffett has has uh, patience with even some of his current holdings that he doesn't add to if he believes that they're not cheap. And notice what he is doing with Occidental and um Chevron, but certainly with Occidental, they have been adding to that position when the stock has sold off when it's gotten much cheaper again. Uh, this year here in 2023, they dove in again with several more buys. So he's willing to be disciplined and patient for a long time as we know. And as a value investor, you should be too. So keep that in mind with any kind of portfolio you are making and any kind of positions you're adding that if you don't like the price or you think it's overpriced, uh, you don't have to buy it. You can wait and your patience is usually rewarded. So it's hard to have the patience that's maybe Buffett's best quality. And the thing that makes him such a great investor is that he is willing to wait around. So let me recap the stocks again that you could buy to create kind of your own mini Berkshire Hathaway. Oh, and I was going to mention a few other companies that I didn't get to in the five stocks. So I mentioned Benjamin Moore earlier, that's the paint company. You could buy Sherwin Williams for instance, but it's not that cheap right here. But that's one of the largest paint companies in the world and one of Benjamin Moore's big competitors. You could buy that if you wanted to own your own paint company separate. I I kind of lament that Berkshire Hathaway owns Benjamin Moore because the CEO was on CNBC and he talked about explosive growth. That's the word he used um, overseas as they expand their overseas business. So, uh, but we're not seeing any of that if you own Berkshire Hathaway. Some of these companies are just small. In the overall portfolio, so even if you have something you know real good happening with one of them, like a Benjamin Moore perhaps or a Seize Candy, it it's kind of dwarfed by what's happening with the bigger companies in the portfolio, like a BNSF or even the Apple position. Um, And that can be good or bad if something bad is happening or we we don't know what's happening at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. But given these other real estate brokerages, it's probably nothing real good right now. (laughs) But that's kind of hidden, It's hidden in the business. And uh, but the good times can also be hidden in this kind of business as well. So that's why it's hard owning the big conglomerate or an ETF that has a big few big weighted you know, stocks or positions in it. Uh, other things kind of get lost in the shuffle and that's why you might want to own some of these individual positions. Um, so I mentioned the paint, um, a couple other things they own, auto dealerships, Buffett did mention that in passing. And so you could own one of the publicly traded auto dealerships. I think he said they own 80. They own 80 dealerships now. Um, But you could own Lithia Motors. L a D is the ticker. You could own Penske. That's one of my favorites. I used to own it in the value investor PAG is the ticker there. There's a couple others, you know who they are. We've talked about them on the podcast, but that's another business that they own. I thought about trying to find a business that was equivalent to Dairy Queen, one of my favorite companies that they own. Uh, But there's no real ice cream maker that's publicly traded, I'm afraid. Uh, But any of the you know, really strong consumer restaurant chains could probably fill in for Dairy Queen, something like a Chipotle CMG, but it's not cheap by any means um, for value investors. Most of us have stayed out of it for that reason because it's never been cheap. But you can look around at some of the restaurant chains that are all doing quite well here as well. We don't really know how well Dairy Queen is doing, but Um, that's again one of the negatives of being inside this big conglomerate. So keep those in mind. Okay, so now I'm going to recap the stocks that were on the list. So there's Union Pacific, UNP, there's Haverty, that's the furniture. Company H is in Harry, V is in Victor, T is in Tom. HVT also pays that nice dividend over four percent. Hershey's ticker HSY. It's been on a real run, but it's not cheap. Signet Jewelers is cheap, six times ticker SIG. SIG Sig. And then we had a couple of the brokerages, they don't have good Zach's rank right now, they have negative earnings, but some traders are in Redfin, ticker RDFN, and then we had the lesser known Compass, C-O-M-P is the ticker there, C-O-M as in Mary, P is in Paul. And as always, I'm keeping abreast of what's happening in the value scene with the um, Mr. Buffett and oh, he did have a big announcement about the Intelligent Investor. I should do a show on that one coming up soon because they are doing a new version of Intelligent Investor. And he was talking with uh the publisher about it. So he's probably gonna do another new forward to the book. But yes, they are finally updating it after nearly 20 years after the last version. So no ETA he didn't say when, but it's probably going to be pretty soon. They're going to be putting that out. So that's good news because I know many of you complained about the old examples, even from like 2005 in that book. And it would be nice to have some examples from like the great financial crisis and even from recently from the pandemic included in that book. So that's big news. Ben Graham, his his, uh, little Bible of how to be a value investor is going to be having a new edition soon. So as always, you need to subscribe so you get these breaking bulletins on these important things. You can get us on Apple. You can get us on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're just about anywhere you can get podcasts. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks.